When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yeah, let's try this on for size. It's a bonus scoop day on Tuesday. That means it's Judd, executive producer, Declan Goff, as always, and our scoop master, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, and also the Scoop Podcast, some great stuff from our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson of Downstairs. And Dukes, let's start with this. You told us, oh my God, it's probably a month plus ago, that Garrett Bradbury would not have his fifth-year option picked up, the 2019 first-round pick by the Vikings. That has now come to pass officially. So first of all, good job on the tip. Second of all, what does this mean? Because he is coming back for year four, and as of right now, post-draft, the Vikings did not draft a player at that position, and I think that there's an assumption that, oh my God, Bradbury's just going to start. But the lack of confidence to pick up his fifth-year option, my guess, means that there has to be some type of contingency plan. Good afternoon. The floor is yours. Good afternoon, Judd. Hello, Declan. Happy May the 4th be with you, Eve. Always appreciate the stop. back and forth with you two gentlemen. I love you, you guys too, are but doing stop okay after that debacle at the X last night. No, I'm not. I'm had a great conversation with Mike Gensel earlier today, pro scout Arizona Coyotes. So his region is the Midwest. So he's got intimate knowledge of the wild, of the blues. If it makes you feel any better, if it makes the fan base feel any better, Mike is convinced this series is going seven games. He thought that pre-series. He still thinks that even after last night. So there's a little wild scuttlebutt for you on the Vikings. Thank you for the love on that scoop, although – like logic, right, Judd? Like, I think my seven-year-old Keaton could have told you the Vikings were not exercising an option on Garrett Bradbury for 2023 at over $13 million. I think anybody could have connected those logical dots. But, yes, May 2nd was the deadline to make a decision. The Vikings did reach out day of to the Bradbury camp, or at least within the last 24 to 48 hours, indicated officially we are not picking up your fifth-year option. So, yeah, so now what happens for 2022? Like, can I see a scenario where Bradbury, week one, that second Sunday in September, presumably they open up on a Sunday, not a Thursday or a Monday. I don't know if it'll be at U.S. Bank Stadium or on the road. We'll find that out, what, May 12th, although with the Vikings in London to play the Saints week four, that's a home game for New Orleans. I would imagine the Vikings will have a couple home games among their first three. So maybe it goes home game, road game, home game. Doesn't matter though, Judd, right? Whoever the Vikings play week one, wherever that game is, is there a scenario where Bradbury is the starting center? 100%. 
he absolutely can win the job in August. But there is going to be competition. To me, what I'm led to believe, Judd, anybody who suggests today Garrett Bradbury has been promised the starting job is off base. Like, that's just not the case. Now, the tentacles on that are Ed Ingram, third-round draft pick, LSU, interior offensive lineman. Played a little bit of center, correct me if I'm wrong, in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Not at LSU, though. Played left guard, right guard. What about Ed Ingram getting some reps at center in the preseason in training camp? As of now, Judd, I am told no, or at least it hasn't been communicated to Ed. That could change. Rookie minicamp is next week. Some teams go this week. The Vikings go next week. Maybe when he gets to Egan, maybe in person they communicate that. But as of now, it has not been communicated to Ed Ingram that he will compete at center. But Chris Reed will compete at center. Free agent edition, Indianapolis Colts. You look at him, I think a lot of us thought, you know what, let's make him the betting favorite to start at right guard. And ultimately, maybe he will be the starter week one at right guard. But he has been led to believe that he will get a chance to compete for the starting center job come training camp. So as of now, what I'm aware of is Bradbury and Reed and to be determined on Ingram to be the starting center week one. So it could be um, just to put the pieces of the puzzle together in an attempt to discern what the offensive line is going to be. It could be Bradbury and Reed battling in training camp at center, Ingram and Wyatt Davis at right guard. Is that Does that sound like a possibility? Well, don't forget about Davis from Miami. Then Austin, yeah, sure. and I'll botch his last name, but he's from the Broncos. Remember, the Vikings' new offensive line coach came yeah. from Denver. I promise you, Austin S., I'll botch his last name, but Austin S. That was a sneaky under-the-radar free agent addition. Mm-hmm. Do not sleep on him having a chance. Okay. And certainly Davis played a lot of snaps in Miami, not particularly well, but that was more, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, a tackle, not guard. That so I think like... he will be in the mix. Yep. That felt So, more I like mean, I guess what we're looking move. at, yeah, probably. I agree on that, but I still think he'll be given a chance. But right now, if we had to handicap, okay, Derisaw, starting left tackle. Ezra Cleveland, starting left guard. Although, Judd, I'm telling you, coming out of Boise, he viewed himself as a tackle. I still think deep down, I don't know if he would ever volunteer this information on the record, but I do believe deep down he views himself as more a tackle, not a guard. But for right now, he was fine, maybe more than fine at left guard. So I think right now, like, I don't know how many spots you want to tinker with like let's pencil in maybe not with ink but pencil in Ezra Cleveland at left guard okay center some competition right guard not Udo I think Udo is going to move back to tackle be like a swing tackle a backup tackle so it's all the names we just laid out then you have the best of the bunch the right tackle Brian O'Neill I'm going with Austin Schlotman Austin I think it is Schlotman. Schlotman. Yeah, I think that's it. Looks it. Like Schlotman yeah. I couldn't remember if there was a CH in there or if it was Schlotman. I, I don't have the yeah. roster in front of me, so I didn't I want to botch it. But yes, the name. looking at the name as you say it, yes, the pronunciation is undoubtedly Schlotman. So Austin Schlotman, with his history in Denver, not a guy I don't think we've brought up. Maybe you've brought up on Purple Daily, but I don't not think much. in this space 
we've brought him up since they signed him in March. But when you think about the new Vikings offensive line coach, his history with the Broncos, knowing Austin well, do not sleep on Austin at least having a chance. So the, the first draft uh, with Kwesi Adolfo Mensa running the show as the Vikings GM is done. Dukes, I believe the Vikings entered last Thursday with eight picks in the seven rounds. They end up with 10 picks, but more impressively, only two of those picks, both in the sixth round, were at the original positions they started Thursday with. So what can you tell us about a draft that uh, in some ways put Rick Spielman to shame as far as movement? Quasey made six trades by 12.08 on Saturday. So there were still a lot of picks. The draft did not conclude until around 5.30 on Saturday. By 12.08 on Saturday, with a ton of picks to go, Quasey had already executed six trades. Now, you asked me last Tuesday in this space, okay, you know, not that you were literally putting a gun to my head, but give me something. Give the audience something. Like, you're talking all over the place. I now need your prediction. I said, I see a trade back. I think that was the plan all along. You're not guaranteed the right offer or multiple offers to pick from. But I do think heading into last Thursday, Quasey was always intent on moving down, especially after we knew that Derek Stingley Jr. was not going to be there at 12. Like alternate world, if Stingley Jr. somehow doesn't go three, he's on the board at 12. I'm positive the Vikings take him. Like Mm -hmm. he was going to be the pick. The Vikings were not going to move down. They would have taken Stingley Jr. at 12. Quasey admitted late Thursday, big fan of Jamison Williams, but they just weren't going Williams at that spot. We can debate, mistake or not, to pass on Kyle Hamilton, but they weren't taking Hamilton. They loved Lewis Seen. He wasn't the only guy, though, they were looking at at 32. They were looking at Wyatt, the interior defensive lineman from Georgia, also Elam, the cornerback from Florida. Once Buffalo went Elam like at 23, once the Packers went Wyatt at 27, 28, it was clear cut who was going to be the pick at 32. But it wasn't Lewis seen or bust. I think the Vikings would have been faced with a very interesting decision if all of Elam, Wyatt, seen were on the board. In fact, in that scenario, I would not be surprised if they had chosen Elam, the cornerback from Florida. But those two are off the board. Lewis Seen is the guy. Right or wrong, Judd? Because my intel is the Vikings were convinced because the Packers did call. Chad Graff had that first from the Athletic. The Packers called late on Thursday and said, hey, here's our two second-round picks. We want that fifth-year option on Christian Watson. Give us 32. We'll give you our two second-round picks. Give us 32. Quasi, from what I'm led to believe, was open-minded to such a suggestion. Others in the room. Not so much. I don't know if, you know, consensus won out, logic won out, but they decided, hey, we don't need to give the Packers the benefit of having that fifth-year option on this wide receiver they want. Let's stay at 32. Also because their intel, Judd, was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' first pick on Friday, pick 33, were going to take Lewis Seen. Now, do I deep down think that was the case? Not necessarily. I do think the Buccaneers loved Logan Hall, the defensive lineman from Houston, the interior defensive lineman, all along. 
that if Seen and Hall were both on the board at pick 33, that it's very, very possible, maybe even very likely, that Tampa was still going to pick Hall. But it doesn't matter what I think. The Vikings legitimately thought Tampa at pick 33 was going to select Lewis Seen. That's why, in the end, they bypassed the Packers' offer, even though Quasey was open-minded, bypassed the Packers' offer, stayed at 32, took a guy they really liked. I do think they had a first-round grade on Lewis Seen. I don't get the sense they had more than 18, 18-ish players with first-round grades. I'll get more clarity on Wednesday. I don't know if you'll be out at TCO Performance Center on Wednesday, but we'll get some we'll get some information provided to us, some draft background on Wednesday. So maybe on Thursday, I'll have a little bit more intel on that front. But I'm just telling you, they really like seeing, my understanding is, heck of a player. There's a lot to like about Lewis Seen. We can debate whether taking a safety at all in the first round, whether it was Kyle Hamilton or Lewis Seen, if that makes sense. But I do think he's got some hybrid to him. You can use him some different ways. But bottom line, they thought Seen was going 33 to Tampa, so they decided to stay at 32 to take him. As far as that pick goes as well, Dukes, um, do you hear any more scuttlebutt about other teams that the Vikings were talking to when it did come to trading down from 12? Yes, I know for a fact Dallas at 24 talked to the Vikings. I don't know how far those talks got. I tweeted that out on Thursday, that the Dallas Cowboys, who ended up not moving up, but that Dallas was definitely interested. If you also look... At pick 13, there was a transaction there. Maybe Declan can look it up. I forget the teams involved. But the pick right after the Vikings, I mean, there were how many trades on Thursday night? Nine? Eight or nine? Yeah, nine. Like, it was unreal how many trades. I know all these teams had multiple picks, so we thought there would be a good amount of trades. But I don't know if anybody foresaw nine trades on Thursday night in the first round. But the team that moved up to 13, was it? Well, New Orleans moved Uh, up to 11 for Chris Olave. So Philly moved up to 13. So Philly, I can tell you, Judd, was interested in moving up to 12. They moved up to 13. They were interested in moving up to 12. I'm sure there were more teams as well. I mean, we had speculated in this space last week about Kansas City at pick 29 or pick 30, wherever they were, late first round. Clearly Detroit had interest in moving up. But I know for sure Dallas and Philadelphia. Again, I'm sure there were more, but definitely Dallas, definitely Philadelphia. The Vikings did not try to move up from 32. I can give you that, too. That, you know, in some correspondence with some team officials, non-Vikings officials, teams that were drafting in the 20s, I heard from three teams the Vikings did not engage them in trying to move up from 32. Hey, Dukes, from from your folks, have have you heard anything on what this current um, staff thinks of, of Mond? Because I'm curious that they didn't draft a, a QB, which doesn't shock me. Like, that's not a big surprise. But have you heard, do, do they think that he is a viable player? Do they do they think he's, you know, I, I just, I'm sure that they've gone back and watched all, all of the practice tape and things like that. So they should have an idea, at least, about a skill set by now. And I'm curious if we know what direction they think that things might go with the Vikings third round pick in 2021. Well, I mean, I think it's more think not no but i think they view him as a guy who has a chance like okay. they're not ready to close the book on kelamond but i know like they pre-draft did a bunch of work on a lot of these quarterbacks including malik willis now do i think he was ever in the mix seriously 
at 34? I don't. They also passed on him later on. He didn't go until, what, 80-something, 86, something like that, to Todd Downing and the Tennessee Titans. But there were some teams who actually thought heading into Friday, I mean, so much time just to, you know, contemplate so many different scenarios Friday morning into afternoon, that there were actually some teams who thought the Vikings were actually going to take Willis at 34. But my sense is the Vikings never seriously considered taking Willis at 34, but definite fans at TCO Performance Center of Willis. Judd, put it this way. If you look at next year, the quarterback from Boston College, the quarterback from Miami of Florida, the quarterback from Kentucky, yes, of course, the quarterback from Alabama, yes, of course, the quarterback from Ohio State. Like next year, there are going to be five, maybe six quarterbacks that go in the first round. I foresee the Vikings taking a quarterback very early next year. So we can go back and forth all we want on Kellen Maybe that changes based on what Mond shows them this year. But right now, if you're asking for an early write that down, by the way, do I get anything for the write that down that all the quarterbacks would be on the board at pick 12 when I suggested that weeks ago when a lot of the mocks had Willis and or Pickett going top 12? Did you say write write that down? down? I think I did. The, the committee will yeah, deliberate. I mean, well, the committee will deliberate too. Yeah, will, uh, think about it, Declan. I, I did. You can find the audio. It was like two to three weeks ago. I said, write that yeah. down. Here's a prediction. Right. The quarterbacks will all be on the board when the Vikings selection comes up at pick 12. But regardless, I'm just telling you, you want an early write that down? Write that down. The Vikings are going to target a quarterback very early next April. I'm telling you, there are so many good quarterbacks. I'm even leaving one out, but I know Boston College, I yep. know Miami, Florida. I know Kentucky, I know Ohio State, so North I know Carolina? Alabama, but I know there's a sixth. There's the a North sixth that I'm leaving out. Carolina? Somebody like that. Um, I don't think it's right. Carolina, but regardless, there are going to be a lot of quarterbacks that are first-round prospects next April. Gotcha. On to Wolves. Has D'Angelo Russell played his last game as a Wolf after being benched uh, late in Game 6 and having what I can consider to be a brutal series against the Memphis Grizzlies? Well, I mean, I think anybody with any sense whatsoever would tell you, Judd, he had a bad series. Dylan Brooks frustrated him mightily. D'Angelo Russell was brilliant in the regular season against Memphis. Dylan Brooks missed all those games in the regular season. Dylan Brooks had a lot to do with D'Angelo Russell missing a lot of shots. Then, like, I can't get out of my mind. Game five, even after you puke all over yourself, blow a golden opportunity, you still have a chance at the end of that game 20 seconds left, dribble, 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 dribble. Chris Finch should have used the timeout, although he ended up drawing up that great play where Anthony Edwards hit that three to tie it at 109 before Ja won it at the buzzer. But remember, 20 seconds left, D'Angelo Russell, dribble, 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 takes like a fallaway shot, like a horrible shot. And I get it. Like part of his game is making difficult shots. Like I actually think he might be a better shooter on difficult shots than he is on pretty open looks just the way it is with D'Angelo, but like the way that series was going, the way that particular game was going, like why was D'Angelo dribble, 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 then take a horrible shot with 20 seconds left? Who is the final decision maker? Will it be Sachin Gupta? Will Chris Finch get his way? Will it be Gupta? I firmly believe he will be very much in the mix, but that there is going to be a process here, that he is not being handed the keys to the front office. He is not being handed the title of presidents of operations. It may ultimately end up that way, but that's not the case right now. But whether it's Gupta, Elton Brand, Landry Fields, somebody else, 
I don't know as an expiring contract how you wouldn't shop him. If there's ever a time to trade him, because I can tell you, it's not like a lot of teams are knocking down the door to acquire D'Angelo Russell, but there is appeal in acquiring a guy on an expiring contract. That maybe you give the Wolves a contract with multiple years, two years left, three years left. So you get out from underneath a contract that maybe you don't want long-term. The Wolves then take on that money. The other thing we could see, Judd, is right now the Wolves are on pace to have a good amount of cap space summer of 2023. That could you potentially just play this thing out? One scenario I for sure don't see is D'Angelo Russell getting the big money extension he wants. He is extension eligible this summer. I don't foresee any scenario, regardless of who is running the front office, where that human being gives D'Angelo Russell the big money he wants. He is eligible for an extension that would pay him in the vicinity of $40 million a year. No right-minded president of operations is giving D'Angelo Russell a contract that pays him that much. Here's the question, though, Judd. What if he was willing, and I don't know if he is, but what if he was willing to accept 25 to $27 million a year? Which isn't crazy. Like, if you look at his first 50 games, he was really good. He was their best clutch player. He deserves credit for a large part of their success in the regular season. He then fell off like the last 12 to 15-ish games and, you know, was was a no-show in the playoffs was good in the Clippers playing game, but like he deserves some credit for the year he had total body of work. So like that's worth a good amount of money. So like, what do you do if he says, I will take three years, 78 million, three years, 80 million. Right. Would you do that? Or do you say, you know what? No, can't commit three years to this guy. He's just a different cat, a different breed. Not a bad guy, but just a different guy. Let's cut the cord, or at least let's just play out next year. Then we will welcome having all sorts of cap space summer of 2023. The playoffs made a big impression, Dukes. And like that was not a, a to put it succinctly, winning performance. Um, I can't get past that. because I don't I, blame you. Because this team wants to take the next step. Yeah. That was not the next. Like there's already issues that I that I think can be if not solved, put up with, I can't put up with that. Yeah, that's fair. That's to be benched. Plenty fair. I mean, these are some of the things that I was trying to lay out, heck, when they acquired him, heck, last summer, even at the start of this year after some of his early success, there's a Twitter storm out there of, you know, D'Angelo Russell, you know, sicko fans, right? I mean, they're just... You know, they're relentless. Like, they think D'Angelo Russell is a combination of Magic Johnson, John Stockton, and Chris Paul. Like, they think he can't do any wrong. So there is a a crowd out there on social media that, like, thinks he's the greatest player in the league. Judd, there's a reason why seven years into his career, he's on his fourth team. Don't ever forget that. Right. Exactly. Just don't. Right? And anybody who thinks that Carl Anthony Towns would throw a bleep fit, would demand a trade, would be pissed off if they trade D'Angelo Russell. Give me a bleeping break. Yeah, Ryan that. Saunders is his guy. Did he demand a trade after Ryan Saunders was fired? Absolutely not. Yep. Right? He still talks to KG. You know KG doesn't have a healthy opinion of the Wolves, more so Glenn Taylor, but 
Like, you know, he's not demanding a trade. Cat wants to win more than anything else. He sees the warts. He sees the issues. Not that he doesn't have his own warts. Right. That's the other but thing. But he sees he sees these things. Like, I just I'm telling you, let's say they trade D'Angelo Russell next month. I don't foresee Cat demanding his way out. And now Cat is going to almost certainly be all NBA first, second, or probably third team and, and get an extension in the coming months. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, all signs. I mean, I was talking to Brian Windhorst on my podcast a week or two ago. Yep. He's an all NBA voter. A lot of his friends are all NBA voters. Yes. All signs point to Cat making one of those three teams. Heck, one of the two teams, second team or third team. He's not making first team. But right. depending on how voters look at it, do they put Jokic and Embiid on the first team, even though, you know, one would have to go in as a forward, but both are deserving of being on the first team. Right. So voters may do that, which would open up the center spot on the second team. So Cat could slide in on the second team. Or to me, worst case scenario, he's third team, all NBA at the center position. Like, I just don't see a scenario where he doesn't make all NBA. So once he makes all NBA, yes, he is eligible for a super max extension that would pay him in the vicinity of like $47 million a year. Maybe that's on the high end as it goes up incrementally, but like it's ridiculous money. It's, you know, North of $200 million total compensation. You know, it's just, it is ridiculous money. You can Google what the exact terms are. NBA super max for a guy of, you know, his stature, his, experience you know seven eight years in mm-hmm. and making all nba you can you can look but yeah it's somewhere in the neighborhood of of like 47 million dollars a year but judd that's a no-brainer because i always ask myself this if you give a guy that contract heck if you give d'angelo russell 378 if you give cat four years five years whatever it is i forget the exact term if it's four or five at 47 million dollars in that neighborhood a year whatever north of 200 million could you trade that contract Guess what? With Cat, barring some sort of catastrophic injury, some sort of unforeseen circumstance, yes, you could trade Carl Anthony Towns in his ninth season two years from now, in his tenth season three years from now. That he'll still be pretty much in the prime of his career. That he is looking at a career that likely will span 16, 17, 18 years. So could you trade him on a Supermax in year nine or year 10? I really believe you could. I do. Could you trade D'Angelo Russell? Let's say you give him three years, 78 million. Then you decide after the season, boy, we can't keep doing this. We have to trade him. Could you trade D'Angelo Russell with two years left on his deal at 27 million per? I think that would be difficult. Not impossible, but that would be certainly tougher than trading Cat. So you give Cat the Supermax. If that superstar, if any superstar wants to sign an extension, you can't turn down said superstar. You just can't. And Cat's in a good spot. You know, like I took some flack a couple, I don't know, was it a year ago or two years ago? It got picked up, aggregated by a lot of the NBA sites, NBA Central, some other ones about, you know, some league people have told me that they firmly believe at some point it's trending toward cat asking out heck i doubled down on that judd like a year ago year and a half ago some of the fallout after saunders even when finch first came in then heading into that summer some conversations he had with some people in town like it was it was a slippery slope 
Judd, it's not a slippery slope anymore. Like they are literally holding hands over there singing Kumbaya. So he's not mad about it's drama free over there. It really wow. is. Sure, there's there's some, you know, people upset after the way that playoff series went, but overall, right. Right. there's a lot of happiness. It's drama free. When's the it's last time we could say it was drama free at Mayo Clinic Square? Sure, I'm telling you, D Lo, there's some aloofness well, there. We there's the some oddness. Dude. There's some weirdness. Yeah, we got the protesters. The chicken protesters weren't, didn't Yeah. But I'm just talking, for the most part, front office, coaching staff, right? most of the roster, like, there's really good synergy. But, yeah, I mean, heck, like, Judd, think about Jalen Noel. Jalen Noel is a good player. Jalen Noel should play a lot of minutes. And I'll admit my bias. Great guy, all right? But Jalen Noel barely played in the in the series. Did he get in, like, briefly in game two in that blowout? Maybe. But, like, Jalen Noel was a non-factor in that playoff series. Like, do you think right now Jalen Noel is super happy that after what he contributed in the regular season, he was useless in the postseason? I'm sure he's not happy, right? So I can't sit here and suggest, like, there's universal happiness at Mayo Clinic Square, but for the most part, there's a lot of people happy, and at the forefront is Carl Anthony Towns. I firmly believe he really thoroughly enjoys playing for Chris Finch, having Anthony Edwards specifically as a teammate, that he feels like the future is really, really bright here. Let's transition. Twin scoops, red hot twins, first place twins. What's going on? Here's a question for you. So right now they are, is it five or six games above 500? What what are they now, Dex? 14 and nine? 14 and nine. 14 and nine. So five. Okay, so five over. Mm-hmm. Yes or no, they will be under 500 at any point the rest of this season. Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I would say yes. I'm so. going to say no. All right. I'm you. going Write to say down. no. Write that I'm not down. suggesting they're going to win 96 games. All I right. still think they're in the 80s. I thought preseason 82 to 84. Maybe they're more like 86 to 88 now. But yeah, I think April, if you look month by month at their schedule, I thought April might be the most challenging, even though they had a lot of home games. More home games in April than July. Like, give me a break, Major League Baseball. Oh, it's that is idiotic. Season ticket holder over here, Doogie. Yeah, I'm I'm pissed about that. You should be pissed. Like, and I get it. There's an All Star break in July, but no way should the Twins have more home games in April than July. But like, April's schedule was pretty difficult. Now, if you want to argue some other month, fine. So be it. Maybe some teams pop up the rest of you know this first half. That maybe we look at August. Maybe right now August doesn't look super tough. But by July 4th, August does look super tough. But I just think April was a really challenging month. And they escaped in really good shape. They have three more games here with Baltimore. Would hope they win two of three, if not all three. So then all of a sudden, they're, what, six, maybe seven games or eight games above 500. So they would have to go on a pretty lengthy losing streak or lose, you know, seven out of 10, you know, nine out of 14, something like that. I just don't know if that is going to happen so it's exciting times right now with the twins but we do wonder about Miguel Sano's knee will he undergo surgery will he not undergo surgery the latest I have is from last night unfortunately as we chat here at 12 30 on Tuesday I don't have a today update this is last night an update that if he does undergo surgery it's more choice not necessity that it's not necessary that he undergoes surgery but if he does undergo surgery it's his choice just to clear some things up get it going in the right direction as opposed to rehab. 
If he does undergo the surgery, it is not a season-ending surgery, that he would be back at some point. I wasn't given a firm timeline, but, like, I don't think it would be mid to late August or September 1st. Like, I think he would be back sooner than that. Then the question is, when he does come back, what the heck is his role? Like, if you feel good about a rise at first base or Kirilov is back up by that point playing some first base, heck, Jose Miranda played 33 games in St. Paul at first base. Like, Jose Miranda, I know he started last night at third base, but Jose Miranda can play first base. So they have some options. So, like, I don't even know what Miguel Sano's role will look like once he is back if he does undergo the surgery. And these are things him, his camp, those are things they're kicking around, you know, contemplating. You know, if he does undergo the surgery and he's out that much longer, how does his role change? Interesting. All right, sir. Final scoops. Wrap it up for us. Well, I saw a report on Twitter. I'm waiting for some texts. In fact, I have one, but I won't multitask too much. But I guess it looks like the Lynx are bringing back Odyssey Sims. So the Lynx have their season opener on Friday. She's a good player. So, yeah. like, I want to see what the fallout is there. Like, there has to be something else. Like, I don't think they're just adding Odyssey Sims based on where they're at roster-wise, cap-wise. Like, there's another move. Like, if you bring in Sims, I foresee something else happening. So okay. keep an eye on the Lynx in the coming days with the opener on Friday. Then what about name image likeness? Can we get away with that? Judd, it's pay for play. Let's call it pay for play. It's not NIL. Stop calling it NIL. It's not NIL. Like I heard here, I'll, I'll throw this out there for you. So Kerwin Walton Jr. of Hopkins High School is in the portal. All right. After two years in North Carolina was really good as a freshman. Hubert Davis benched him for a large part of his sophomore year. I'm telling you, though, Kerwin Walton, with that work ethic, that talent, he can really help somebody at the high major level, okay? Sure. So I foresee him transferring to a high major school. But guess what? When he gets there, you know, I think there's going to be, you know, some company that ends up paying him really good money, right, with one of these deals. It's obviously not the university, but, you know, somebody, a booster, you know, it's what's been happening for years. Now it's just out in the open, uh, and you know, he'll probably get a car deal. Like you saw the point guard from Kansas state end up in Miami for $400,000 a year on a two year deal, $400,000 a year. There's, yes. there's talk of this Pittsburgh wide receiver going to USC for seven figures. Uh-huh. This is where we were going. The NCAA so, is a complete joke. They've lost yeah. all control. And so I'll be in an event next Monday with Mark Coyle. I hope to be able to talk to him. Like, I guess no guarantees, but I will be in an event. Bring your checkbook. Like, I need to find out what's going on with Minnesota, how this is all working. I will tell you this much, though. Dawson Garcia, game four, Wolves-Grizzlies, was seated courtside. Guess who he's sitting next to? Ben Johnson? No, not Ben Johnson. Marty Davis. Cambria's own. Even better. The Gophers need a Marty Davis, whether it's Marty Davis or yeah. somebody else. It can't be How about Doogie? a publicly traded company. It's got to be an individual with a huge checkbook. And the Gophers need to get on board. This is life now. They need. Are they not Nigel on board? Peck, well, they're still trying. I think a lot of public schools are trying to figure stuff out. If you look at it, Judd, it's a lot of the private schools benefiting so far. Miami of Florida is a private school. 
You got, don't forget you, that that is not a public school. You got to pay your top players, man. You got to, and 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 that can be that can be page. Like it doesn't. I, it it's not. This is not about you know. Oh, it's all men. This is about your top talent. I don't care, man, woman, child. Don't care. Needs to be paid. Yes. Oh, there's heck. The Gopher women's basketball program has been rock bottom. Unfortunate, but rock bottom since Lindsey Whalen took over. Right. You mean to tell me there's not some really good players out there in the portal? or that you could convince to enter the portal if you land them a really nice six-figure deal to come here to Minnesota? Yeah. It's legal. Like, but I get it. Like, if you're Jeremiah Carter in the compliance office at the U. I don't care. I it's got to be a him. cluster, believe. I can't worry about Jeremiah Carter. It has to be. But, like, I'm just saying, like, Miami has it. Now, I get it. Private school, public school. But, like, Minnesota needs to get on board. Maybe they are trying to get on board. It's just not out there much. I'll dig further. There's a larger story here, to be told. Sure. But, like, whether it's Marty Davis or somebody else, we need – I say we because I'm an alum. We need them or that person or persons to start getting big-time athletes here with these name-image-likeness deals. Or, I'm telling you, to me, it's pay-for-play. I don't want to call it name, image, likeness. I want to call it pay for play. But get somebody like Marty Davis on board. Let's bring in players that way. Awesome stuff, sir. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks, dude. Enjoy the wild game tomorrow. Bye-bye.